Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. WordPress, web software built by hundreds of community volunteers to create websites and blogs, currently powers 14.7% of the top million websites in the world, up from just 8.5% last year. And the latest data shows that 22 of every 100 active new domains in the U.S. are running WordPress. WordPress has over 15,000 plugins and has seen 200 million plugin downloads. In the fastest upgrade in the platform's history, WordPress 3.2, the latest version, had a half a million downloads in just two days, according to a talk that Matt Mullenweg, the original developer of WordPress, gave in August. Now, WordPress is easy to learn and easy to use, and has given rise to an exploding community of website designers and website developers who use the platform to build new sites for themselves and for their clients. But because this community of specialists is still so new, and because, at least based on my own analysis, demand for competency, professionalism, and quality appears to outstrip supply, finding the best WordPress designers requires a working knowledge of the platform, the people, and its pieces to hire and identify and retain the right specialist to get up and running. Now, Voce Communications, which was purchased by Porter Novelli earlier this year and which counts Matthew Podboy and Mike Manuel as key team members, has grown its business over the last few years and expanded its operation with the inclusion of web development as part of its own portfolio of services. And with us today to talk about hiring the best WordPress designers from Voce Communications is WordPress designer Jeremy Harrington, who I've had the pleasure to work with, and WordPress developer Chris Scott. Um, now, they both build dozens of high-profile WordPress sites for the agency's clients. And they're going to talk to us today about what we need to know to find and retain the best WordPress website designers. Gentlemen, welcome. Hello. Thank you. Now, I know you guys build your sites primarily in WordPress, but why WordPress as opposed to, say, Joomla or Drupal? Is WordPress better? Yeah, this is Chris. Um, I don't know if I'd say one is better than the other. They all have their place. Um, what makes WordPress a really good fit for us and for our clients are a few things. Um, first is it's very good uh, active development around it on the core side. Um, there's a release schedule. I think they're on a six-month release schedule now. Um, they're actively thinking about new features, what to include, um, what makes sense to include in core, what makes sense to include in plugins. So they've got a really good direction um, that really fits with a lot of the work that you know that we do and also that meets the needs of our clients. Um, also, I think one of the huge selling points of WordPress is it has a really, really good admin interface. Um, it's probably one of its core strengths. If anybody looks at the WordPress admin compared to some of the other frameworks, they usually like it the best. Um, it's also immediately familiar to anyone that's used WordPress before. So when you're, you're either talking about uh, pitching clients or for clients that are looking at training their users, um, if they've already used WordPress for their personal blog or at another company, 
which is a good possibility given you know the numbers, um, they'll immediately be familiar with it. And from there, it's a lot easier to get them up and running. Um, another feature is easy extensibility, um, both on the theme side and the plugin side. It's very easy to make WordPress do what you want. Um, in the end, even though it's a blogging software, it's really a framework for leveraging all the existing features and then tacking on what you need on top of that. And then finally, I think is a, it's a mature product and community. You know, it's been around for a while. Um, it's got a community of developers, of designers that have been around and are doing some pretty big things. There's a lot of other companies like ours that do professional services around WordPress, and they've been doing them for a while. So it's not something that's just brand new and, you know, the landscape's kind of uncharted. I think it's, um, you know, definitely uh, So one of the decisions you have to make early on uh, if you're launching a WordPress site is whether or not to go to WordPress.com. Uh, which is the commercial enterprise automatic owned by Matt Mullenweg, the original developer, or whether or not to just sort of download the code and deploy a WordPress site on your own server. What are the advantages and drawbacks of either option, and how do you decide which one's right for your organization? This is Chris again. I, I think you know we can probably start with you know which one's right. Um, it really depends on your needs. If you just need a very, very simple blog or kind of an almost brochureware site with you know mostly static pages, maybe a few tweaks here and there, um, but basically out of the box, if, if WordPress out of the box gets you what you need, um, .com is a, a great option. Um, you basically you sign up, you're there, it's up and running, they handle it completely. Um, they handle the hosting and the management of it, they update the WordPress back end for you. Um, you, you basically just kind of, it's almost to set it and forget it type thing. Um, if you do need more control, though, that's when you look at the .org version, which is the version you can download, install on a server, um, host it yourself, host it through a hosting company, you know, however you need to do it. Um, .com is great, but it does have limitations. Um, a lot of the features um, you can add to it, but even then, you can only go so far. For example, you can add a feature where you can customize the CSS on .com so you can tweak your layout, um, but you can't add custom plugins in the .com version. So I think that for most people is what the major drawback is, and that's kind of the, the deciding factor. If you think you're going to need something outside of the plugins that they provide on .com, then you're going to want to go with .org and a self-hosted solution. So, Chris, you're a WordPress developer. Jeremy, you're a WordPress designer. What's the difference? Uh, I think the the big difference uh, from this is Jeremy from the you know the the overall view of of the world. There, um, traditionally, that the design role is is what the user's seeing, um, how they're interacting with the site. Uh, the development role uh, is is the delivery of the of that functionality and feature set to that user. Um, so, you know, the line tends to be drawn between, you know, what's built and what's seen. So how do you know which one you need first? I think, again, uh, the the key there is the project scope. So really understanding uh, the skills uh, that you need um, to, to deliver based on your goals and vision as a, you know, as a, as the person who wants the website or the business who is seeking this work. Um, you know, traditionally it comes back to, uh, you know, you're designing based on needs. So you have functionality features, goals that you're, you're trying to accomplish um, and you need to implement that, um, in, in a variety of ways, either through you know a custom solution or maybe it is simply using a theme um, and, the, and the right set of plugins. Uh, 
So deciding which one of those paths is, is right for you. In this world, in the WordPress world, um, design can mean development. So when you hire someone, they, they say they're doing design. Um, they may actually be doing some development and vice versa. Um, so you have to be a little bit careful in vetting that out um, and trying to understand. But it really comes down to project scope. Um, when you're thinking custom, 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 uh, development tends to come to mind first. Uh, when you're thinking, you know, adjusting a theme or tweaking the layout a little bit, um, or you just really want to apply something visual, uh, then designer comes to mind. So, so then the web developer is basically, I guess, referred to as the back end person, and the web designer would be the front end person. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a pretty uh, traditional, um, easy way to break it down. Um, and again, it's it's really looking at those roles um, and and the scope of of what you're looking to do. You know, simple changes, uh, theme changes uh, versus a custom web application. Um, and, and as I mentioned before, it, it, that skill set. Uh, for many folks in the WordPress community, uh, can be pretty varied. Um, but I, I think what's really important here is to look at this as you would um, traditional web development um, outside of WordPress, which is um, you know focusing on the skills that individuals have to get the job done right. Um, and you know a good designer is a good designer. Uh, a good PHP uh, open source developer um, is a good developer. Uh, and traditionally, uh, you still want to look for those skills um, and not get uh, completely distracted by um, whether WordPress is all over their site or it's not. Now, you, the three of us attended uh, WordCamp LA uh, last weekend, and uh, you know it struck me that the majority of the attendees there were you know smaller. Uh, entrepreneurial uh, designers or developers and then there were a few people you know like you guys and a couple others that I met that were from a larger organization um, I mean, would you say that uh, you know for maybe an enterprise or even a medium-sized company that's looking to deploy a WordPress site um, are they typically going to be working with a, you know a, a WordPress blog designer and a WordPress website designer and a WordPress developer who's the same person, or is it common for those roles to be divided on the team? I think, um, you know, I think your your point about the scope, the size of business, I think really is is key there and, and critical, um, but really the scope and size of the project. Um, but as you start to get out of that, uh, you know, a small to medium size, you know, business area, um, you really do start to see that uh, traditionally being one individual or, or maybe a, a small consortium of folks, um, you know, who, who may sit together at a co-working space or something along those lines. Um, but, you know, you... Uh, Again, based on that community, and in some cases, the smaller communities and niches, uh, mommy bloggers, car bloggers, real estate folks, uh, there's actually designer developers um, who serve those specific communities. Um, but as those project scopes grow and you start to talk more about um, a full CMS or a full web application, um, then you're starting to, to look more at um, – you know, the, a larger team um, and, and start talking in terms of a platform um, for development. Uh, and in this case, you know, and for, for the work that we do, that ends up being WordPress as it is for some other folks as well. Well, well let um, me, let me, if I can, let me just yep. pin you down on this for a minute, okay? Sure. So tell me, Jeremy, what can Chris do that you can't? And then, Chris, I'd like to know from you, what can Jeremy do that you can't? Oh, absolutely. So uh, the... 
the development of the functionality, um, how the site is, is going to work behind the scenes, how search is going to work, how I'm going to interact um, with a, a financing or a spreadsheet or a, a time card system or an inventory or a shopping cart system, uh, all of that code and how that's going to work, how that code is going to get to the server and scale for the, the, the millions of folks that are going to come to my site. Uh, that's all Chris's domain. That's, that's all far outside of my, uh, my scope of knowledge. And Chris? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, the opposite there. Um, I couldn't design my way out of a paper bag. Um, and Jeremy is, you know, can, can do the design, but I think even more importantly is also the, um, the user experience side is making sure that, you know, the, the site that he designs meets the goals of the client, you know, and, and meets the goals of the product. And then on our side of development, it's, you know, it's up to us to make sure all those features actually work as intended. But, you know, it kind of really starts there. And then once we get that, we can do it. But there's no way that, you know, somebody, it's typically a pretty good, a good split. If somebody's a very good developer, they're probably not a good designer and vice versa. Um, but you, you see some crossover there. Um, but, you know, like Jeremy said, it is a, a matter of scope. You know, once you get into um, some of the more complex projects or higher levels, it really does make sense to have that specialization. Got it. Now, you guys both work uh, with Nick Gurnett down in Voce's Florida office, right? Is that right or no? Actually, Chris, you're in New York, right? I'm in New York. We have a couple people uh, spread remotely, but the core is in Winter Haven. Okay. Now, now you guys, how many people on your team, that, uh, on the Voce Connect team? Um, actually, ours is kind of a subset of Connect, which is platforms. Um, and our team is 14 people, which includes developers, designers, and uh, project and account management, with kind of the bulk of that focused on uh, development and design. Now, when you guys, first of all, when, you, when you're hiring new designers, new WordPress designers and new WordPress developers, is that difficult or is, it, is a good WordPress designer and, or a good WordPress developer relatively easy to find? Uh, this is Jeremy. I'll, I, I think I'll start from the design side. I think, and, and Chris can can follow up too from the development side. You know, traditionally, what we're looking for are good designers and good developers. Um, you know, we look for those talented uh, the folks who are talented first. Um, I, in some ways, I think that WordPress knowledge can come with time. Um, I think we can pull that in. Uh, you know, if if needed, uh, from the design side, I think. Um, we might have a little more flexibility there, but what we're looking for and what you know, really trying to seek out is, is talent um, around design, so holistic design. So uh, web interaction and web standards and an understanding there, um, absolutely comfortable, uh, proficient, talented in, in CMS um, and HTML so they can actually build the stuff that they design if needed. Um, you know, like any artist, knowing the canvas that they're working with is, is critical. Um, and then to Chris's point earlier, I mean, I'm really looking for a designer who's empathetic uh, to the users and, and cares about those small details um, that make that experience really not only work, but be pleasurable and something people want to do. Um, and then the final piece is really understanding uh, large-scale CMS. So that may be WordPress, and in most instance, instances it is. Uh, designers and other folks uh, have a, a personal blog that they run, or they've had its you know opportunity to work at a magazine somewhere um, and understand what it means to publish to large-scale CMS. And so, so, Jeremy, yep. so, Jeremy, uh, what are the right questions I mean, if like if if I'm a, if I'm going to hire a WordPress designer, what questions do I need to be asking that person to qualify whether or not they're the they're you know the best WordPress designer for me? Uh, 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, the, the the primary sort of critical question is, um, you know, do you care? You know, do you care about the users that are coming to the site? Um, and you know, obviously, people are are going to respond to that. But really, starting to trickle that down and say, um, understanding what the users want to do, um, and and going from there, uh, do. You know, for a smaller site, you know, do they know WordPress? Um, can they can they make changes um, to a theme? Do they know what a theme is and how a theme works? Um, and are they comfortable with CSS? Um, I think those are those are really critical questions. Um, again, assuming you've seen a portfolio and seen some design and things like that. So you know, knowing you know, being familiar with WordPress, um, knowing if they can change a theme and if they can get in there and, and work with CSS is probably the best thing. Chris, what about WordPress developers? I mean, how, how do you hire the best WordPress developers, and what questions you know do you ask on that side? Um, I mean, we we look for the best developers first and foremost. Um, if they have WordPress experience, that's obviously a huge plus. Um, but we need people who you know have the fundamentals down. Um, they need to be a good PHP developer, and if they're not a good PHP developer, they need to be really good in another language or two. Um, ideally, if they do have that, you know, that scope in there, you know, the that, that's great. Um, we don't want somebody that's you know singularly focused. Although we do need to have them, you know, have that from time to time. Um, as far as you know, if you're hiring somebody as a WordPress developer for you know work that you needed done, I think those questions are a little different than some that we ask. But there are some you know some crossover. For example, um, you know I'd want to know when I'm hiring a developer, have they contributed any patches to the WordPress core code? Um, have they developed any plugins or themes? Um, I think these are also the same questions you'd want to ask if you were hiring somebody to do to do work for your business um, just to get a level of their involvement you know if they've contributed patches to core it probably means they're very involved in WordPress and they have a pretty good understanding of it um, or at least have the desire to make it better um, same thing with releasing any plugins or themes you know have they done this before um, I mean we've all been at that spot where you haven't done it before and you're trying to get the work you know but when you're on the hiring side it's definitely nice if you can find somebody that's that's done this before and done it well um, also, just something as simple as uh, what's your WordPress.org username and what does your profile there look like? WordPress.org has a feature called Profiles where any WordPress developer can have a profile that basically gets automatically filled out for them for the most part with anything that they contribute as patches um, to uh, core, any uh, support form questions that they answer, any plugins that they author, any themes that they author. All that stuff would show on their profile page. So that's that's a really good resource you can use to kind of get a gauge of somebody's involvement in the community and what their you know prior work is. Um, also, do they do any other open source contributions? Um, maybe they haven't specifically done WordPress, but they've done a lot of Drupal or Joomla. I mean, that's great. A lot of that knowledge can transfer over as far as just understanding a framework and working within one. Um, also, uh, do they have any code samples they can share? I mean, for hiring somebody to work on your site, this might not be valid because you can't really evaluate it. Um, but, you know, that probably goes back to what Jeremy was saying about the portfolio. You know, what do they have in their portfolio? And can you press them for details on things? You know, it's nice that they did this site for a big-name company or they did this site that looks really nice. But what was their specific role in it? What was their hand in it? And can they explain what the challenges were, what features they implemented, um, what, what solution they provided, what problem it solved, um, those type things. And I think we also just kind of, you know, we look to um, ask people kind of just some simple, hey, I've got this problem, how would you solve it type question. 
that should be commensurate with their skill level. So same thing if you're looking to hire somebody. I mean, specifically, hopefully, you're, you know, you're looking for them to solve a problem for you, um, whether it's make something better, fix something, implement a new feature. Throw that out to them and see what they say. Do you have a good feeling for their answer? Did, did they seem to understand the problem in the first place? Did they completely just take it and run the wrong direction with it? Did they ask follow-up questions? Um, I think those type things are very helpful. Kind of get an idea of where somebody's head's at on those. Excellent. Now, now let's just just one oh one here. What is a WordPress theme, and is there any difference between a WordPress theme and a WordPress framework? Yes, Chris. Um, a theme is basically what presents all the data that you put into WordPress. So data being blog posts that you create, pages you create, uh, widgets that you set up and configure. So a theme is what basically takes all that stuff that's stored in WordPress and stored in the database and presents it to your site visitors. Um, and there's thousands of themes out there that will all do that with a different look, a different layout, um, a different feel to it, different features. Um, a theme framework is really just a collection of features that can be extended um, by theme authors when they're building a theme. So usually what you'll see in the common frameworks like Thesis or Genesis is they have some features that are very commonly used. Um, things like being able to adjust the layout of your blog from one column to two columns to three columns to arranging headers and footers or not showing a footer or not showing a header, that type thing. Um, just these common features that get used over and over. The idea is that framework, it does it once for you. And then as the theme developer, theme designer, um, you can then leverage that framework so that you don't have to reinvent that wheel over and over and over. Over, and you can focus on, you know, especially on the design side, you can really focus on designing it instead of having to re-implement the development. And so basically, does every WordPress site have a theme? Yes. Yes. And then by default, WordPress includes a theme. It's now 2011. Last year, it was coincidentally enough 2010 in the last release. So when you install a fresh version of WordPress right now, you're going to get the 2011 theme because without a theme, there's nothing to show on the site. So there are a number of premium themes out there that you can purchase. Um, to, I mean, is, is it better to, to purchase a premium theme or design your own theme from scratch? Uh, this is Jeremy. I, I think that really comes back to the, the needs uh, that you're, you know, the needs that you've got, the the goal and, and functionality that you're looking for from the site. Uh, the great thing is a lot of those premium themes. You have uh, some really uh, nice demo tools. You can get it in there. You can you can work through it. Um, but like anything else, a custom solution versus an off the self, you know, off the shelf solution. You have to balance and, and weigh out uh, the the cost benefit there. Um, and, and work through that. There's some really great premium themes that fit a lot of needs um, and, and can satisfy a lot of goals for folks. Um, but then when it comes time to integrate or to uh, work with another system or to add features or functionality that may be on that scope, um, then then you're looking at something that's custom. So there really isn't a, a clear answer there um, any more than there is in any sort of off-the-shelf versus custom purchasing decision you're going to make. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how to choose the best WordPress themes, the best WordPress plugins, and how to negotiate the best deal when you're hiring a WordPress designer. When we return, stay with us. This January 2011, Paul Gillen and Eric Schwartzman bring you the first book devoted exclusively to B2B social media communications. 
packed with business-to-business case studies and applied knowledge, Social Marketing to the Business Customer is the most comprehensive collection of B2B social media marketing guidance ever assembled. B2B markets are driven by value and relationships. That's very different from B2C markets. This book's a hands-on guide. It walks business people step-by-step through the process of using social media to find and engage business customers and ultimately drive more revenue. Social Marketing to the Business Customer is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and Borders. Or buy it at our show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Also available for iPad and Kindle. So how do you find and choose the best WordPress themes? I mean, what are the important things you should be looking for when you're shopping for WordPress themes? Yeah, this is Chris. There's the the theme directory on the codex. So WordPress has a codex which lists the plugins and themes as kind of its two main features. Um, in the theme directory for on WordPress.org, there's a list of featured themes right there on the homepage. Um, that's a great place to start. Also on the sidebar, it lists themes by pop, by popularity. Um, also a good place to start and kind of look in there and see, you know, what it is that fits the personality of your site. Um, you know, what, what look do you, what look are you going for? Which one fits your needs as far as the look and the layout of it? Um, and then from there, it's really, you know, usually what, you know, when I'm looking at something for like a personal site that I have is downloading a bunch of the themes, installing them and testing them out. Um, just running through, previewing them on my site, seeing how they work, um, seeing if the layout, you know, actually works with my, the data that I have on my site um, compared to just the screenshot I saw when I installed it. Um, some of them, for me at least, they look great in the screenshot and then I install it on my site and I'm like, nah, it doesn't quite, you know, work the way I, I wanted it to. Um, I think those are some good places to start. Um, obviously, the premium themes are a great place to start. Um, a lot of you know time and effort and energy has gone into you know creating those. There's a lot of active development on them, and a lot of people using them. So those are usually you know they kind of have a very professional look to them. Um, also, have some good features in them. Yeah, this is uh, this is Jeremy. Uh, something there to add um, in the premium theme world, there are some uh, you know absolutely world class web designers who've cr- uh, contributed uh, you know uh, themes for sale um, in a in a whole host of of the theme communities and theme purchasing sites that are out there. So the caliber of design in the premium themes um, is it can be really high. Um, and one thing to keep in mind. If you see a theme and it's uh, it's blue or purple or black in the in the demo or in the preview screenshot, uh, make sure to look in the specifications and in the in the feature set. Um, anymore, a lot of these themes uh, also include some extreme customization behind the scenes. Um, so if you you know if if your brand or your personal brand is red or blue or green. Um, Make sure and, and take a look because uh, in many cases you're able to make some of those changes as well um, with the premium or purchase themes. Um, so don't be totally discouraged um, if, uh, if you feel like you do want to do a little bit of tweaking. There are controls there to do that. So WordPress is constantly coming out with new versions, right? And, and, and WordPress 3.2.1, WordPress 3.2.2. I mean, they're constantly coming out with new ones. But when you actually go to update your WordPress site, in the dashboard, it asks you to update your data, uh, to back up your database and your files first. So, I mean, what does that mean? And is it okay for users who are basically content creators 
to perform tasks like these themselves without the support of a WordPress designer or a WordPress developer? Yes, Chris. I think the short answer is yes. Um, but like everything, there's there's some caveats. You know, as you mentioned, backup first. That's the most important thing. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about when we say backup first, there's some great backup plugins. Um, one that I use, you know, just on my personal site, is called a Back WP Up. Um, is a great plugin. It lets me basically back up the database, back up the files, the configuration, pretty much the entirety of the WordPress install. Um, automatically on a schedule and one feature it has that I like is being able to save that backup to uh, a bunch of remote services so for example I save mine to Dropbox so that way I've always got a copy sitting there in Dropbox for me um, so definitely you want to backup first um, the idea is what happens is you do the backup you do the upgrade and something doesn't work um, 99% of the times that's not a WordPress problem per se it's a plug-in compatibility problem, a theme compatibility problem. Um, so the nice thing is you've got the backup, you did the upgrade, something doesn't work, you can restore from that backup. And most of the backup plugins make that a pretty simple one or two click thing. It restores it just the way you wanted it from the backup you chose. Um, usually, you know, when we talk about the risks of upgrading, um, there's the risks of not upgrading, which is usually a security risk. So any versions of WordPress that come out that have any kind of security fix, you want to get those applied as soon as possible so that your site doesn't get hacked. Um, there's also some other security you know, precautions you can take, but this is definitely one of the most important ones. Um, usually what we see when things do break on an upgrade is there's some uh, compatibility issue with either a theme that's installed or a plugin that's installed. So sometimes it may be as simple as if it was a plugin that doesn't work and you did an upgrade and now it's broken, you've got errors on your site or whatever, you can just disable the plugin. Um, if it's a theme issue, you might have a little more problems because usually people can't just randomly switch to another theme. Um, but that's why having that backup is very important. So, I mean, what considerations are there when you're choosing a theme? I mean, are premium themes like Genesis and Thesis generally a safer bet since I guess they're both premium, which means they have revenue to justify keeping them up to date? I don't know that that's a, a tremendous consideration. I, I think, uh, again, looking at the community, so uh, the Genesis and Thesis, both that you mentioned, um, in addition to the giant WordPress community, each have a, a pretty dedicated community and active um you know, forum back there. With the premium themes, I, I think that one of the things you are uh, paying for that is really valuable is that uh, sort of behind the wall forum and support that those themes provide. Um, so, you know, I, I think more than simply because they are generating revenue, um, the thing that makes those appealing is the the forum and support behind the scenes. Um, and I know um, that uh, for, with both of those, and I, again with others, uh, I think there's other frameworks as well that, that have the same uh, support model. Uh, they're active, um, and people can help you um, if things do break or if issues do come up. So, um, you know, again, I, I think they generally those are a pretty safe bet, um, but because of the support that's there. Are there any risks associated with you know going with a WordPress designer who focuses on customizing a specific? WordPress theme? Because like if you go to the Genesis or the Thesis homepage, they have a list of uh, designers who work on that platform. I mean, is it a better idea to go with a designer who works with a bunch of different themes or are there advantages to hiring someone who specializes in one WordPress theme? 
Um, from a visual and experience design standpoint, there certainly could be advantages because they those designers simply have a better understanding. Um, you know, Thinis, uh, Genesis, and Thesis, and these frameworks are extremely complex, and, and their start you know it starts to be almost its own uh, its own world, its own language. So, um, absolutely, there are advantages um, from finding people. You know, they can take advantage of the bells and whistles within there that maybe other folks don't know about or would take more time. Um, in the most general sense, um, design is design, and it shouldn't. You know, you should really be using a portfolio of active and, and real projects to be making those decisions. Um, but in a lot of cases, you'll find that specialized designers in those themes and frameworks are actually developers as well. So when they, you know, they're designing, but they're they're tweaking some development behind the scenes, and they're actually customizing the framework, um, both visually and functionally. Um, and, and the one thing about that is, you know, again, you're investing in that framework when you make that decision to go. Um, so I would always ask that person, you know, would they feel comfortable if down the road you decided to switch frameworks? Um, and, and, you know, and if you know, possibility of them halting development or if you just really chose to go another path, if their response is that that's all they know is that framework, um, then that would be, you know, that would be a red flag um, and, and something to keep in mind. Um, you know, if if their response is yeah, they would feel you know comfortable um, in making changes or possibly going another route, uh, then I think you could feel pretty good about you know trusting what they're saying. What is a plugin, and how do you find the best WordPress plugins for your site? This is Chris. Um, a plugin is basically just a set of code for WordPress that implements a feature. Um, you know, some of the common plugins are uh, you know, maybe something like Google Sitemap XML. Um, Basically, it's a plugin that you can install that gives the uh, Google sitemap.xml format uh, for all your blog posts and pages so that Google can easily crawl your site. Without that, you just get a very basic um, sitemap. So that's something that basically extends the features of WordPress to give you something that you really need. Um, Ideally, plugins are self-contained. You can install a plugin, you activate it, it gives you the feature that you need. If it doesn't work right or you don't like it, you deactivate it and you're on your way. So it's it's a modular um, set of code there. Are, are are features ever built into the theme itself? Yes. So that's there's a little bit of a crossover there because a, a theme can implement plugin like features uh, that are actually part of the theme. So as soon as you deactivate the theme, that set of features that was that was included with it would go away. Um, so depending on the theme, it may include some of those features with it. Uh, some themes actually rely on plugins to do everything. So you may see suggestions when you're looking at a theme um, that says this theme requires uh, these four plugins. A lot of them will leverage things like um, SEO plugins, uh, ad-serving plugins, things like that. Um, the better themes are built to where they can leverage those without requiring the installation. Um, so if they are installed, it'll use them. If not, great, it just falls back to the WordPress defaults. So what do you like better? Do you like the theme that has some features built in or do you prefer a lightweight theme that uses plugins? Personally, I'd prefer having that separation to where your theme is is very lightweight and does things that only are specific to that theme. Um, everything else should be left for plugin territory, in my opinion. Um, if nothing else, there's just there's a lot of really great plugins out there, and there's probably a plugin that can do just about anything you want. Um, so for most themes, there's 
there's not a there's not a lot of need to reinvent that wheel. Also, just WordPress itself has a lot of really good um, a lot of really good features that usually shouldn't have to be implemented. I've heard some horror stories from friends who have had WordPress sites hacked. Um, and in all cases, they were um, basically hosting their WordPress site uh, somewhere where it was unmanaged. And I know there are also a number of managed uh, hosting WordPress uh, options out there. I know one is Pagely. Um, I think there's another one called WP Engine. Um, what are the advantages and drawbacks of manages, managed versus unmanaged hosting? And uh, give us, if you can, some tips for how to choose which one's right for you based on, I guess, your level of IT acumen. Sure, Chris. Um, basically, managed is they do everything for you, and you know, unfortunately, sometimes managed doesn't mean managed. There's there's different levels within it. Um, some managed hosting they only take care of the very basics of hosting, like server updates, but they don't update software like application software like WordPress. Um, the ones you mentioned though, like Pagely, um, from what I understand, is they do fully managed, which means they're responsible for upgrading WordPress for you know. Um, Basically, making sure that core application is working, or it's probably up to you as the uh, as the owner of the site to update any plugins or themes that you have. Um, so you know you do need to to get a good handle on if somebody does offer managed hosting and they say they do everything for you. What does that everything encompass, and what are you going to be left to do on your own? Whereas with unmanaged hosting is. All- all you have is a place where you upload your files, create your database, and you're on your way with WordPress, and it's up to you to do everything on there. Um, depending on your level of tech savviness, um, you, you may want to go with unmanaged hosting. If you have an IT department that you know knows what they're doing, maybe they prefer to do their hosting or they have a hosting provider that they use, and they can manage the application for you. They can do WordPress upgrades for you. They can do backups for you. That's great. Um, otherwise, I definitely suggest the managed hosting because that way things like WordPress upgrades and backups are taken care of for you. you know, but definitely, like I said, just ensure that those things are actually you know, being done for you. Well, let's try this out, okay, Chris? Let's say that I had hired Voce uh, to deploy my uh, WordPress site, and uh, we're at the point now where we have to decide whether or not to go with managed and un- or unmanaged. What questions are you going to ask me to help me figure out which way to go? Let's role um, play it. We'll, already- we'll role play it right now. <laughs> sure thing. Um, do you already have an existing IT infrastructure? No, zero. Okay. Uh, do you want to upgrade WordPress every six months on your own? Should I upgrade it every six months? Will you upgrade it every six months? Will you remember? Will you be responsible for it? I, I, I'm happy to be responsible for it. Um, should I just do it as soon as it comes out, or how does that work? Um, yeah, I mean, there, you know, the releases are tested uh, very well, and there's a there's beta releases prior to which you know get tested by a lot of the um, developers like us, and also theme developers. And also just a general, um, you know, test users and people that kind of want to live on the bleeding edge. Um, so when releases come out, it is pretty rare that anything doesn't work. And if it doesn't, it's very quick that there's a, a point release right after that. Um, so you know, I, I would definitely suggest that people don't be scared of upgrading as long as you've got backups and also you've tested your backup and restore. Um, don't be afraid to upgrade. You know, it's good. You want the security upgrades. You also, you know, you want the new features. Um, 
you know, so it really just depends on, on your level of comfort with going in there and doing upgrades, making sure backups are done, those type of things. If you want somebody to take care of all that for you, I'd suggest going managed. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, the thing is, you know, we, we are all content creators. We're not IT people. So, I mean, I, I, I've, we've upgraded before. I know how to upgrade. But, uh, you know, do I need to be concerned that, I mean, if I go with a managed service and they handle the upgrade for me, are they also going to make sure that the theme and the plugins work? That I'm not sure of. It probably depends on you go with i would assume that they that their basic level is all they do is upgrade wordpress automatically for you um and then it would be up to you to upgrade themes and plugins um which you know is, is probably a good thing that's probably something you want you want to have control over that um sometimes plugins might add features that you don't want so you want to reevaluate and use another plugin some might go from from free to maybe a semi-paid model or a sponsored model and maybe that new plugin adds like a sponsored link in there if you didn't pay for it you know so there are times where you might not want to automatically upgrade your plugins or your themes you know and they usually from what i understand they usually leave that control up to you but they take care of upgrading all of uh, wordpress core and probably any core plugins that they would provide you know as part of your default install if there are any uh, managed uh, hosting services listening to this podcast and you want to have a follow-up conversation for a future episode about managed services, um, definitely hit me up. I think it'd be a good follow-up. Now, let's talk about something which, I, you know, was kind of a bad, it was kind of a, 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 a bad word, WordPress, when I brought it up with uh, a number of the people who were there. Typically, they would wince at this at this word. And the word was migration. Um, you know, there are times when organizations, individuals decide, you know what? I need to migrate my existing website from the content management service uh, that it's on to WordPress. I want to migrate off of a legacy CMS to WordPress um, let's talk a little bit about migration because, Jeremy, as you said, when we were talking at WordCamp LA, you get one shot. Um, why is it, do you think, that so many developers and designers are reticent to accept uh, a migration gig? Uh, you know, I think migration, moving data is is hard. So I think you can really find out quickly if someone is a, a design-minded person or a development-minded person, um, you know, sort of based on that response. I think uh, developers and, and data-focused, um, uh, you know, folks have a have a they understand that they they can they can conceptualize what it means to move data from one place to another. Um, I that that certainly frightens me um, simply because my knowledge you know is, is fairly limited when it comes to moving big chunks of data like that. Um, there's there is a front end impact when you do migrate as well. So um, you know the features and functionality that were there in your old system, um, you know, may not be there or or more than likely have been superseded by something else as you move forward. So I always when I when I hear migration, um, I always try to think of that you know. Are you migrating the entire experience, or are you really just pushing the data over? Um, it's it's important to 
I think a lot of times using that opportunity to redesign uh, and rethink the experience on the front end is really important too. But you still have you know thousands of posts or thousands of other pieces of content that you need to move as well, and that's that's really where you know a really a good, competent, knowledgeable, and developer. Um, can make that world a lot easier for you. And, and when you do get to that final stage, when you're pushing the button to, to move forward, uh, to change the, the website URL and the DNS and, and really push on, um, that, that you can feel confident when you hit that button to go forward. Um, but, you know, you were asking before differences between designers and developers. Uh, this, is, this is a really clear distinction here, um, I think, in a lot of cases to, to know that difference. So what if I came to you, Jeremy, and I said... Uh, so I'm, I'm a client of, of Voce Connect, and I say, you know what? We need your help deciding whether or not to migrate uh, our existing site over, or whether or not to just stop posting to that site and launch a new site. What questions would you ask me to help me make that decision? Uh, the the big one, you know, uh, stop posting and, and sort of burning down and moving on. Um, you know, how important. You know, is that brand, is that location that you've staked out, the claim you've already staked, um, whether that be a URL or the brand that you've identified with, how important is that to you? Is that generating revenue? Is that is that a valuable property or asset for you? Um, and if the answer is is yes, then, you know, we have to do everything we can to preserve that and move forward. Um, I, I think being timid or, or fearful of migration should not supersede whatever value investment um, you have in that asset, that URL brand, whatever, already. So, um, I, you know, asking those questions, is that valuable? Is that an important commodity? Is that, is that something you need? Um, and if the answer is yes, then, then we have to work through the, the heavy lifting of getting you migrated over. Um, if, it's a, if it's a one-time use, if it was specific to an event or specific to um, a, you know, one other element in the business or something like that, uh, Maybe maybe it's not worth maybe it's not worth the effort. Um, but if if it's on a business card, if it's if it's printed, if, if it's any of those things, then yeah, we're going to have to do the work and get you moved over. So in a recent episode uh, with Jay Bear on Google Plus, um, we talked about uh, the importance of Google Plus in bringing the PageRank algorithm you know into the current era that we're in, uh, an era not necessarily of pages and backlinks but of tweets and of of status updates. Um, But we still are living in an era of page rank and backlinks. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons I think organizations consider migrating is because they want to take their link rank with them. They want all those sites that are linking to their website to go with them uh, to their new home so that um, uh, that domain can get found in search. So, when the issue of retaining search rank is raised, what are some of the considerations that uh, you know would be top of mind for you guys uh, when you're getting ready to migrate a site? Yes, Chris. Um, I think you know really what you want to do is, if you can, make sure that you have consistency. Um, things like making sure your links are the same 
making sure that robots.txt is the same, making sure your sitemap.xml is the same. As much as possible you can, you want these things to be consistent. So when you move, it really doesn't look like much has changed as far as the search engines are concerned. Um, also, you want to be focused, you know, especially with a little bit more increase with search engines, especially Google, on um, page performance, you know. Are you moving to something that's going to be a solution that delivers pages faster? Um, if you know you used to be able to render a page in you know half a second, and now you're up to three seconds, um, this may be a problem. You may see some issues. Um, I mean, there's still a little bit of you know discrepancy on what that actually means in the real world for rankings. But you know, just from a visitor's perspective, you know, you wouldn't want to you know a site that's nice and uh, speedy and snappy then going to something that's not going to be fast. You know, so make sure that everything is good on the speed side. Um, and then also, if you, if you can't maintain permalinks, if you, if you have to change links, um, making sure that you put 301 redirects in place for at least any important links that you have, um, any top-level navigation, any very important things that show up if you do a Google search and it breaks down your site into categories, you definitely want those, you know, anything listed in those, that local call-out, you'd want to make sure those get redirected. And ideally, if you can... Um, redirect any page. Um, look at your Google Analytics. See if you have any content in there, especially long tail content that might be, um, you know, still getting a lot of hits. You want to make sure that those things get redirects in there. So finish the sentence, and we'll start with you, Jeremy. You know you've hired an incompetent WordPress designer when uh, you're you're hiring one to finish the project, uh, or or you're hiring one right after. Um, that's that's usually the the first sign. And Chris, you know you've hired an incompetent WordPress developer when they always need one more day, or they're almost always almost there. Excellent. Now let's just wrap this up with a little advice from you guys on how to structure the deal with the designers, the developers, so that, you know, it's fairest for all parties involved. Um, you know, what kind of delivery timelines are realistic? What sort of benchmarks should be built into contracts? Um, any advice on how to structure the deal? From uh, This is Jeremy. You know, from my side, uh, really, really critical to get the, the fundamental um, requirements, the expectations out on paper, um, uh, something that you can work towards. So particularly with a, a smaller arrangement, if it's the sort of designer slash developer role, um, having it very clear what those expectations are because uh, having been someone who's uh, more on the design side, if if the expectation is, is more around development and that's not stated or it's not clear um, or, or the client doesn't really know and I haven't walked them down the path to really understand that, um, that you can certainly find unhappiness there. Um, so really having uh, requirements and, and an understanding fundamentally of what it is that's being delivered clearly stated, while that seems obvious, doesn't happen you know, a lot of times in a more casual or smaller um, situation. So being very explicit about that, having that structure, um, and then being open and honest about overage and about, um, you know, the maintaining that scope um, and communicating. And I found most most clients are sensible when it comes to it takes more time to do something or they've added something throughout the course of the project when, when they aren't as uh, – uh, flexible or understanding is when that's not being communicated. So 
strong communication throughout the process is critical. Um, upfront planning and, and having that out there is, is, is also really important. So those are, those, that's my kind of big advice when it comes to putting something on paper and, and, and coming to an agreement on these things and understanding that there's value, even though this is WordPress, even though that, um, you know, this is open source, my time and the time of others is, is still valuable and, and has a, has a cost. And just uh, on follow up on that before you go, Chris, because I want to hear your answer to this, too. Um, You know, on the freelance in the freelance marketplace, what are, you know, fair hourly rates to be paying on the design side, Jeremy? Uh, I've seen a a huge, huge variance there um, when it when it comes to that. Um, uh, You know, I I would say, um, boy, I again, I've seen design from. From twenty dollars to you know one hundred and fifty or more um, on the freelance side, um, it's I don't have a, a specific number there um, to to say what what that would be. It really comes down to looking at that portfolio, judging what it is, what you want, what the scope could be, um, and 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 working through that. But I, I really okay, don't have fair enough, problem. Chris. Uh, what about you? You know, tips for you know structuring a deal with a developer, or designer to build a WordPress site. Uh, so that it's fair for both parties, and you know how do, how do you build that that deal? Um, I think you know most importantly, like Jeremy said, is make sure that, you know as the client that you have good requirements, that it's very clear what you want, and you may not know upfront exactly what you want, but you should be able to you know as you're working with somebody on the design and development or both, um, you should be able to have them help you refine that to where you get to a point where you have a good set of requirements. Um, then from there is, you know, don't work without a contract. It doesn't serve anybody any good. Um, and then make sure that contract is fair to both parties. You know, it, it shouldn't be one-sided in, in anybody's favor. It should basically protect you, you know, from each other. Um, you know, there's usually things like, you know, it's pretty typical where you might say, okay, half of the money is due up front for the project. And then upon final acceptance, like at the other half, uh, for longer term projects, that payment schedule might be spread out over three, four or five payments, um, you know, with checkpoints throughout. Um, what know, are those checkpoints? Really what are like, like halfway? What is halfway? How do you know you're halfway? Like what checkpoints could be built in? Uh, it depends on the project, but it might be something as simple as, um, you know, if I'm doing a full website for you that includes a theme, includes some plug-in development, maybe that first checkpoint is a theme to where I can enter a blog post. So the, the visual design is done, uh, the theme's been cut up, it's been implemented into a WordPress theme, it's been installed on the server, I can hand it over to you, the client, and say, okay, you know, go do a test blog post. Maybe that's one checkpoint in there is I've delivered you a theme that works. Um, then maybe you have some plugins that need to be built. Maybe each one of those plugins is a separate checkpoint along the way, depending on complexity. Or maybe it's just, hey, I need these three plugins. They're pretty simple. Once the plugins are done, that's another checkpoint. You know, for, for really large projects, it may even be earlier than that. It might be um, visual design is complete and accepted might be a checkpoint in there. And for those listeners that want to hire Voce to build their WordPress site for them, how do they get a hold of you guys? Who do they call? How does that work? Uh, definitely can go to uh, vochecommunications.com. There's contact information in the uh, web development services. Uh, by and large, that's, uh, that's going to, uh, to Nick Gernert. Uh, director of our team, uh, and and working from there uh, to understand what it is folks need. And we would be remiss 
to complete this episode without mentioning Josh Hallett of Haiku Blogger fame, who's a key member of that team as well, correct? Uh, yeah, Josh is uh, on the, the social media services side. Um, and, and the interesting thing about Josh is uh, his, his connector sort of status um, in, uh, in helping sort of bring uh, folks together here. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a member of this team um, through uh, winding river of connections through Josh. So, um, and I think that's the case for several folks on this team. So, uh, he's, he's certainly led a lot of us here. Gentlemen, this has been a very interesting uh, discussion and I'm so glad we got a chance to get all this down for, I'm sure so many listeners who are going to find this valuable. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate your time. Thank you. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.